Welcome back to the Pass Catcher Podcast, part of the Fast Break Podcast Network. I'm Aaron Kirkpatrick. Joining me as always, Sammy Shulman. Sammy, how's it going? It's going well, Aaron. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's Tuesday. We've got some fantasy football overreactions and some predictions we're going to cover, a bit of NFL as well. First of all, for our listeners, I'm Sammy, this isn't gloating, so I apologize ahead of time. But just so our listeners are aware, in Sammy and I's matchup, uh, I ended up winning it uh, 119 to 103. Sammy got absolutely screwed over, and I think it has to be one of our first topics for this week, by Brandon Ayuk just not getting a single target the entire game. Sammy, what's your take on this no longer being able basically to trust anything that comes out of the 49ers organization from a fantasy standpoint? Well, I mean, uh, first of all, just for this, uh, for the viewer, the listener's pleasure, Aaron, congratulations on your win, but you also happen to have a, a WIPSA already on your tally. I'd rather hey, I'll take my WIPSA. avoid the win below season average. Uh, yeah, Aaron scored the eighth most points in one. And as you'll see on this podcast, as we continue, that's a, not an unlikely occurrence for a guy like Aaron, a guy who's been nine and three at one point, both the last two years, even though, uh, or 10 and three, I guess even though he might not have uh, necessarily, well, maybe I'm a little salty, but moving on to the Brandon Ayuk of it. I mean, you want to talk about an overreaction or underreaction. You saw how I felt about Ayuk and the move that I made today um, because, you know, might as well start with saying a little bit of breaking news. Aaron, you want to tell, uh, tell everybody what happened? Yes, yeah, Sammy, today uh, you and I were chatting a bit and you're like, I'm going to go for Cooper Cup. So you... After about 10 more minutes of talking, you hang up, you go talk to Jeremy. And a few hours later, trade alert notice, Sammy trades Latavius Murray and his third round draft pick this upcoming draft for Cooper Cup. Uh, and I think it was a much needed trade. Um, I thought you did a great job. You got great value out of that. And it made sense because a lot of the depth, we, we talked about how you had a lot of picks and it garnered you a lot of depth, but Julio Jones just looked awful, and so did Brandon Ayuk, so that's two out of your four starting wide receivers who just couldn't do anything, so it made sense to me to go out and get Cooper Cup. Were you happy with what you got and, like, what you gave up to get in return? Yeah, I mean, I I was hoping that I wouldn't have to do something like this so early, but, like, as a whole, I think no matter how Cooper Cup plays, I'm, I'm fine with what I gave up for him. I think that as we probably mentioned, Jeremy is trying to rebuild. And so from his standpoint, obviously it makes sense uh, to move on from a guy that he's not going to keep. And I'm not planning on keeping Cooper cup, which is why in our trade talks, I made it clear. I wasn't going to give a second or anything like that. Uh, just because it's not worth it to me when for all I know, like Cooper cup could just get injured and then I'm just not going to keep him. So, yeah, I mean, I still have, I think it is, it's four picks in the top 20 and then uh, another two in the third and fourth rounds as well. So, I'm not too worried about my draft pick situation yet. And I think Cooper Cup, Gus Edwards is a trade for depth, but Cooper Cup, I'm, I'm planning on starting as long as, the, uh, as, long as he's healthy and, and um, him and Stafford continue that connection. So I'm definitely fine trading a third round pick for a starter when I'm trying to compete. And even though I scored the least points in the league this week with 103, I'm not ready to hit the panic button yet uh, by any means. Uh, I believe in my team's ability uh, to bounce back and, yeah, we got some leaders in that clubhouse that are going to make sure we get back in the right direction this uh, this week against Jesse. I'm with you on the no need to panic for your team. If we read through it, Jonathan Taylor had 14.6, and I don't even think he had a touchdown. 
No, so he had a he had a touchdown that was called back from holding. Yeah, but if he does find the end zone, that's twenty points right there for him. Calvin Ridley uh, had seven point six. He finds the end zone. Like a lot of your guys were a touchdown away from a great game, and they're guys who you can kind of rely on for a touchdown, especially a Devontae Adams, who is still able to get eight points after Rodgers threw for what only like a hundred yards and two touchdowns, which is kind of what I'm not I even exactly sure. I don't remember, but I want to segue into that because as a Aaron Rodgers owner, do you think I should be hitting the panic button here? Or I, as of right now, I'm planning on riding it out with Rodgers. I think it was a one-game blip. He's got the Lions, which I'm feeling pretty fortunate about this upcoming week. Were you shocked by the performance, though? Like, obviously, you were shocked, but I what? For sure. What most shocked you about it? I mean, just the fact that everything that happened in the offseason and like the last dancing I brought into and the idea that Rodgers and Adams and this offense were just going to go on like one last ride and that still could happen. But I thought it was just going to be early and often success for that offense. And they were just absolutely stymied by like a Saints defense that I don't, I didn't consider to be like top of the, you know, pack or anything by that nature. So I, I was absolutely shocked. I mean, Aaron Rodgers fantasy wise put up an absolute dub a uh, dud but at the same time he's Aaron Rodgers same way I'm not going to panic about Devontae Adams I don't think there's any need for you to panic about Aaron Rodgers yeah I agree the O-line from a less fancy football standpoint but more of just general football the O-line looked awful though for the Packers and that's my biggest concern is if he'll just have enough time in the pocket to make the plays Something they highlighted on the broadcast was there was just a lot of overlap from the wide receivers just running really crowded routes, uh, and it just gave him nowhere to throw the ball being part of it. So I'm not too nervous, but it just wasn't a great game. Uh, Something else worth mentioning, uh, last week I couldn't decide who to play in the flex. I played Mike Davis over Deontay Johnson and LaVisca Chenault Jr. From an actual point standpoint, end up being the worst thing i still felt confident however in my decision i thought he was going to have a good game and he just let me down is there any other players this from this week that really just stood out to you as either overreaction they're great or underreaction and you're worried about them are you talking about for my team specifically no i'm saying in general because i've got a candidate i've got two candidates from jeremy's team that really just overperformed in my mind and i think are gonna significantly regress uh, if, unless you've yeah, had already got. Effort. First off, Gronkowski, he's not gonna have yeah. two touchdown games. That one was kind of obvious. Jeremy picked him up. We talked about last week. He picked him up twenty minutes before the game. Good on Jeremy though. Like that was a mm-hmm. great pickup. Uh, but the other guy, and I still believe this, Joe Mixon. I think he's bound to regress. I, I gotta say, he surprised me, but. I just don't think he's going to be like a consistent close to 20 point per game score. He had 25 points, but I think maybe just cracking 10 is really what we're going to expect out of him for the rest of the season. I I just don't believe in him. I just think it was a bad Vikings defense personally. Yeah, I mean, I'm somewhere in the middle there. Obviously, he's not going to get 25 points because he's simply not going to get 29 carries and four catches. I mean, 33 touches is an absolute absurd number. And I, I think that not only will he not get that number period, but if they continue to give him that number, he will get hurt. Like this is an injury prone back. This is Zach Taylor who doesn't seem to understand the significance of injuries between not drafting Joe Burrow and offensive lineman and now giving, you know, Joe Mixon 33 touches. However, 
with all that being said, last week when you asked me, do I trust Joe Mixon at all? I said no. If this is, you know, <clears throat> sorry, if this is an indication of the kind of volume he can get, though, like 20 touches a game range, then he will be fantasy relevant. I think there's nothing more important than touches from running backs. Like, that's why I'm not worried about Najee Harris like some people are, just from the sense that he has 17 or so touches and played 100% of the snaps, and so he'll get going at some point. But as far as Joe Mixon goes, I'm definitely higher on him than I was last week, and I I think he could be a legitimate running back too. Yeah. Something uh, running back-wise we talked about last week, I'm just looking at Jeremy's matchup. He played Matthew, who had Raheem Mostert uh, out for the season already. Yeah. I feel bad for the guy. He's such a gifted runner, uh, and it just sucks that every year his career is just derailed by injuries. Uh, But obviously the most shocking thing that came out of it was before the game, Trey Sermon, the healthy scratch. Uh, I don't think anyone could have seen that. Elijah Mitchell became the second back in the depth chart. And it's something going back to Brandon Ayuk, but Trey Sermon was this talent we saw in our draft. Granted, it's a keeper league. He went in, I think, the fourth round, which equivalent, mm-hmm. which is like equivalent to, I think, a ninth rounder typically. I know that people in auction drafts were paying like $15 to $20 for him. And now it looks like he's now going to be the backup back in san francisco and do you think this is a san francisco thing a kyle shanahan thing like what how is it that we had all this news from training cramps training camps around the league about uh like elijah moore who had great reports uh is a good example of just transparency but in san francisco we had a running back who we all thought was going to be great ended up being the third or i guess fourth running back in the running back room because jamichael hasty as well as a wide receiver who we thought was going to be awesome, not get a single target and played like very few snaps. Yeah. I mean, I have a few things to say. I'd say, first of all, we can call these shenanigans. It's like shenanigans. Like I don't, it, it doesn't roll off the tongue as well as it should, but I read that somewhere. And I thought it was pretty funny. So in terms of this week's shenanigans, uh, it, it's hard for me to put Brandon Ayuk and maybe I'm biased because he's on my team in the same category because like, he's injured. I mean, he has dealt with injuries as a whole for you know both years of his career now, but he had a hamstring injury. And according to ESPN and more specifically, according to um, the athletic, he, he was, it was a lingering hamstring injury that flared up on him in the opener and it happened early. And, uh, should fantasy managers like myself have been a little more aware of the possibility of that happening? Sure, absolutely. Um, but do I hold that against IU compared to something where it's like Trey Sermon, who is not injured, is being scratched as a healthy scratch? I don't think it's in the same category. I guess. I don't know. For me, I think I read something that said, though, Shanahan, Shanahan I was about to say shenanigans, uh, <laughs> said that um, I forget the name of the wide receiver and I feel bad but the uh other san francisco wide receiver that wasn't debo samuel you know who i'm talking about i can't remember his um, name trencher field or something like that yeah i heard i think i read a report that said shanahan just flat out said he had a better training camp and they trusted him more at this point which is just kind of a crazy thought to me after uh brandon Ayuk was touted so highly throughout the entire offseason uh, it's confusing for me. 
Uh, if you have more to say about, we can. Otherwise, there's another set wide receiver set that I want to ask you about. And I want to get your take. Yeah. As, as a Kyler Murray owner, it seems like it's profitable to be have some sort of stake in the Arizona offense. Outside of D-Hop, who do you want? Uh, A.J. Green, um, Christian Kirk, who ended up catching two touchdowns, or Rondale Moore. Who do you think is probably the best value uh, and people? someone people should be targeting whether it's waivers or through trade um so me specifically i i I wouldn't want any of those guys um if you had to take one of them i would go with christian kirk i think that he's the number two option uh a a deep threat as we saw kyle murray with insane like off his back foot dime like a 30 something yard touchdown um i i guess i would go with christian kirk but I, i don't know about you i just don't see any of those guys being consistent starters in our league at least the one person who I think has some opportunity to have value is Rondale Moore. Um, I think he had about, I want to say, seven targets this weekend. Uh, and seven targets isn't the greatest thing. But he can be, as of right now, in my opinion, like a low-end flex option uh, for people. Like, he's on Jeremy's team who is actively tanking and just traded away Cooper Cup, in my opinion. Right. that's he might start on, in that situation, but that, you know, like... Jeremy is going to have to turn to guys on bye weeks like Michael Carter, like guys who really shouldn't be starting. Yeah, that's completely fair. I don't know. That's just an offense where it's like one of those things you want to buy into it because it seems like it's going to be so profitable. But I think you're right in the sense that there won't be one guy that you can really trust week in, week out outside of DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, I apologize about that, by the way. I was trying to look something up. But yeah, I I just don't think I don't think I would start any of them like consistently, maybe in a bye week situations. I, I would still say Christian Kirk, but as the season progresses, I definitely agree that Rondell Moore could carve out a bigger role. Yeah. Is there any other players you have an overreaction, like whether it's, well, they were good I, I, or bad? going looking at team, uh, team Platt and how he lost the closest game of the week to Josh. It was a nice win for Josh uh, after his Ravens let him down and everything. Um, but I think I'm, I'm concerned about George Kittle. They scored 41 points, and you know what? George Kittle scored 7.8. I, that can't really happen if, if, you know, Dylan, who, you know, really has a great team, but part of that's just guys who should be great but have been underperforming or injured recently, and McCaffrey's back, and that's great for him, but he doesn't have a quarterback, and so he relies on that advantage at the tight end position, and if George Kittle's not going to be putting up numbers against the Lions, who is he going to be putting numbers up against? I don't disagree with you. I don't know if I necessarily have it documented, but I remember talking to, I think it was Yoni, and I said, I just don't think this is going to be a good season from George Kittle. I think the offense just has so much better weapons with Debo Samuel being healthy. I thought it was going to be Ayuk who was going to be stealing targets. Uh, Also a bit of Raheem Mostert in the passing game. Now I'm not necessarily sure what that offense is going to look like going forward. But the point is, I'm with you on George Kittle that, He's supposed to be one of those players where he provides such a advantage because he's arguably a top three fantasy tight end. Um, and he just didn't show up. And that was kind of the theme for a lot of the top tight ends this weekend. Mark Andrews on your team had... Mark Andrews isn't in that conversation, though. I'm just saying, I think people expected a lot more out of him as well as Kyle Pitts uh, had, what was it, four receptions, 30-something yards, something like that. Yeah, but he 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 had as many targets as Calvin Ridley. Pitts will be fine. I think Andrews will also be fine. I mean, it's tight ends. Like it's same old story. Yeah. 
Kelsey was awesome. There was a random Gronk performance, which is, I guess, maybe Gronk is this year's Tunyon. Darren Waller's a stud. We'll see if Kittle can pull it together, and everybody else is bad. Yeah, as far as how it goes for my tight end, Logan Thomas, he relied on that one touchdown. Uh, If he doesn't get a touchdown, he has three receptions for 30 yards, so he's got, what, four and a half points? And that's kind of just the way of the the tight ends. If you don't get a touchdown, you're screwed over, basically, in my opinion. Ah. So let's look ahead to this next week. We've got some – I'm playing Darone this week who – he really shocked us. Like, he put up, what, 100? 180. 188. 188 points fueled by partially Russell Wilson, who I traded away. Uh, yeah, checking in on that, I mean, after just <laughs> the fact that Russell Wilson scored, like, a ton and, and Rodgers scored one and you dropped Watson, how are you feeling on that spectrum there? No comment. Uh, come back to me in, like, a week or two, and we'll see if Rodgers has been shopped around yet. He is right. he is position ranked thirty five and there's only thirty two NFL teams. That's that's not ideal. He, I think that it I think it's because of Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and who else? Yeah, Trey Lance and Justin Maybe Fields. Maybe Marcus Mariota. I'm not kidding. I think oh, he yeah. saw one play and had like thirty yards running. I think you're right. <laughs> so position rank thirty five, Aaron Rodgers. Um but Jerome was fueled by uh, Amari Cooper's standout performance, 32 points. Debo Samuel, he had, what, 100 yards, a touchdown. 100-something yards, touchdown. And he had and, Antonio Brown. Uh, on the bench, however. I, no, he started Antonio Brown. You're right. Uh, he's just now moved him to his bench for this upcoming week, which, if you ask me, Antonio Brown against Atlanta just seems like a good matchup, something I'd want to go after, personally. Uh I'm nervous for this week. It's basically an even match. He's projected point. He's basically projected eight yards more than I am. Sammy, as a Washington football team fan, what's your outlook on guys? I've got two: Terry McLaurin and Logan Thomas. Uh, now with the Ryan Fitzpatrick injury and Taylor Heineke coming in, outlook doesn't change for me. Both are solid fantasy options, especially McLaurin. If anything, they did a little bit more once Heineke came in. Granted. The Ryan Fitzpatrick sample size is nothing, uh, nothing too major. So uh, I think you should be pretty much totally fine. Yeah, uh, I'm very on edge about my matchup right now. The flex option is going to Deontay Johnson against that Las Vegas defense. Um, I feel like we'd be remiss in not talking a bit about that game. Ravens losing it twice on Monday night, if you want as that run as the joke is going with the Brian Edwards touchdown and then the actual Zay Jones touchdown. Uh I've got to, we feel bad for our friend Josh in my opinion. Or at least I feel bad for him. It's gotta be painful. But isn't overreaction, he says it's already a lost season. Do you think that's a bit too much of an overreaction after week one? I mean it obviously is. Like I, I'm not really sure I, I in my opinion it's just ridiculous to say that it's like I mean, last year, the Colts made the playoffs after losing to the Jaguars week one. And since then, the Jaguars haven't won a game. Like, it's such an overreaction, to be honest. But it's, like, it's understandable because, um, like, if it was my team, I, I, I'm sure I would feel differently and I'd, I'd catastrophize it. But from an outside-looking-in standpoint, I'm not ready to just give up on the Ravens. I'm not out on the Ravens, necessarily. Uh, the offensive line looked 
pretty poor in my opinion. Um, and Lamar's fumble, he there was like the clip of him saying that's on me, and people, some people on Twitter responded great to that. I don't know that from a complete different note that kind of bugged me. Like, who else would it be on? He's the guy who fumbled. I, I think that's just like a normal thing. Like a quarterback takes responsibility no matter what, and especially when it's his fault. Like it's not, I don't think he was telling us as if we didn't know. I think he was reaffirming the fact that he knows he needs to be better in that situation. Yeah, I, I agree. I just feel like people were overreacting to him holding himself accountable. Something that I, I don't know. I, I like, I think it's, I think accountability is important, and especially your quarterback's the leader of the team. And like all of a sudden, it feels like Lamar Jackson is that he might even be the longest tenured Raven on that offense. I mean, just feels like everybody that was there is gone, and, and now it's like. I don't even know who's left. And so Lamar's the leader in the clubhouse at this point. He's in a contract year. Uh, a lot's going wrong around him, but, you know, nobody's going to feel bad for him. I don't. Like, he needs to perform a little bit better than he did, and he knows that. There was a couple passes and just reads, he, especially that one play you and I talked about. Mark, it was like, I want to say third and short. Mark Andrews had, like, a little curl. He was just sitting in the zone right at the first down marker, and he's arguably the best uh, receiver in that offense uh, Lamar doesn't go to him for that route instead uh, reads over to the wheel route and completely I think it was Tyson Williams probably um, yeah I th- I, yeah I believe it was yeah I mean completely L- Lamar's always had a little bit of problems with his reads and he likes to run and that's obviously great but at the same time sometimes he needs to be a little more accurate of a passer but I'm not too worried about Lamar I'm, I might be worried about the Ravens but I actually thought Lamar other than obviously the turnovers but it happens like it doesn't usually happen to Lamar, which is why he's so great and able to run. But it happens to the best of us or the best of them. Like I'm not in that same category. Um, in terms of my flex, Aaron, you know, it, I, I don't. I, I'm going to say I preach depth because I feel like I do, and like that's that's my philosophy. And early in the year, it's always hard to know who to start before the bye weeks and before things are clear. But I think like you look at my team, and it's like you got you have some guys that you for sure play, which is like Taylor. Najee, Calvin Ridley, Devontae Adams. And then I'm thinking I'm going to go Cooper Cup, right? As yeah. uh, my pass catcher. And then that leaves Henderson, who was the lead guy, which was that, that was really the bright spot for my team is that it looks like for the time being, Henderson's a fantasy, uh, somebody that you can probably rely on in fantasy. I mean, he had what, a viable flex carries? option. Yeah. Yeah. He had 16 carries, 70 yards, and a touchdown, as well as a catch for 17 yards. Sony Michelle only had one carry. So, they're now yeah i mean not only that i think there's a slight overreaction if you want to talk about it from espn but their outlook on him it now says henderson is a solid starter with running back one upside against the Colts this week i think that's a little bit overzealous but i definitely think he could be a running back too which is more than enough out of your flex position so i have him in right now just because i, I like to put in whoever's projected the most early in the week and he's projected mm-hmm. 14 then i got the option of going julio jones against a, a pretty weak seattle secondary is it over- projected 11 Sorry to interrupt you. Is it an overreaction to say that Julio Jones just won't fit with Ryan Tannehill? Like, I guess it is because yes. it's week one. I, I think it might be. I don't think it's an overreaction to say you can't start Julio Jones in fantasy, but I, I, I believe in Julio Jones as a player enough to say that comfortably that he'll get it going if he stays healthy with Ryan Tannehill. So I, I might be an overreaction. Now. Yeah. And then I could start Clyde, which is probably the most likely other option against Baltimore in what should be a pretty like I, I like just a fast pace like a lot of action kind of game a lot of screen like stuff like that i think clyde i was actually pretty uh 
pretty happy with the amount of touches he got. Like that Browns defense is really good. And so he only got three yards of carry, but against the weaker defenses, I think he definitely should be a solid fantasy option. Then it's Corlin Sutton. Uh, no Miles Gaskin love? 11.3. Okay, Miles Gaskin, another bright spot, but I'm not there yet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I do know what you mean. Uh, what's one thing I'm just looking at your team? Pretty funny. Brandon Ayuk, I think, coming into week one was projected about 12 points. Now, obviously, this is probably accounting for injury, but he's down to 7.9, which is probably among the likes of, if I look over at my team, probably like a Michael Pittman Jr., Tyrell Williams kind of projection of production, which I just think uh, is a crazy 180, and I think it's people not knowing what to do with the the Shanahan. I keep trying to say Shanahan, but all I can think of is shenanigans now. You've messed me up for the rest of the podcast, I think, Sammy. No, sorry. No, it's it's not okay, and I won't forgive you. But and you know, there's also one other option at Flex, and that's Mister Mister Waiver Wire, because the one I guess one of the only bright spots about losing this really near is you get the waiver priority in losing and scoring the least. Yeah. Yeah. So with your number one overall waiver wire, because I guess at this point you can get whoever you want. Uh, no one in our league is going to snake him from you. Do you have a leaning as to who you think you want to go with? I mean, like Elijah Mitchell is the obvious answer, and I think he should be rostered. But the question is, can you trust the Shanahanigans? So I, I don't know. I, the answer is I would probably take Elijah Mitchell, but he doesn't really fit in need of mine. I, my need is more at receiver and receiver depth. Um one guy, a little sleeper on the waiver wire that I was telling Jeremy about, and and I'll I'll, I'll drop you on the podcast is Tim Patrick, the Corlin uh, Sutton love. Go ahead, I, I've got something to say, say about Tim Patrick too. Yeah, I was just gonna say like the Corlin Sutton love. Um, I guess is just because Judy got hurt, but now with you know Judy out for really a long time, it's it's Tim Patrick's the outright number two, because KJ Hamler is really a slot screen kind of guy, but Tim Patrick's a talented receiver. I mean, you and I know from last year that Tim Patrick can be valued in fantasy. I was going to say, I've right now have, so I have like the seventh or I have six in waiver order. So I've got six pending moves in uh, right now. And Tim Patrick is one of those guys I'm looking at. Uh, First of all, I think he just, he did well last week uh, after Judy went out. Like he had a decent stat line. I think he might, there's no way to know if it's going to be him or if it's going to be Sutton as Bridgewater's favorite target. But at this point, a chance to pick up a number one wide receiver is always something you go after. It's the same thing with Elijah Mitchell. Where or not you can trust him, the chance to have an RB1 in one of the better rushing offenses is something you're always going to go after. Another guy who I think is kind of like an overreaction guy to go after is Mark Ingram. He had what? He ended up with 37 carries, I want to say it was. No, not 37. It was, or was it 27? Maybe 20. May, I think he had like 26, but 26. I don't, 30, 37 is insane. I, I couldn't remember. I, I got yeah. the first number wrong. My bad. No, but you, like, it's just funny because when you first said that, I wasn't sure. And I'm like, no way. Like, I was like, yeah. And then I'm wait. Cause that's just, yeah. Joe Mixon got 29 carries, though. So who knows? what do you think it's a here's my thought process with mark ingram he had first of all he was wildly inefficient 
26 carries for only 85 yards. It was 3.3 yards per carry. Doesn't really which, concern me. I, I just need volume. I, the reason I'm not high marking here is because I'm not trying to get that volume. If you get 26 carries, you have a place on a fantasy roster. Yeah. The And the reason why I think the volume might not be there, however, is because how often are the Texans going to be up 20 points? Right. And, and that's maybe uh, play him in the DFS lineup next time they play the Jaguars is <laughs> your only option. I, I'm pretty sure if I'm not mistaken, you know, a little future idea here. Yeah, I believe they do play the Jaguars in our fantasy playoffs. So maybe, maybe you should pick up Mark Ingram and stash him for now. Maybe um, another running back who I think is worth looking into picking up is Carlos Hyde. Um, he kind of took a, he took away a lot of what James Robinson. We th- I mean, they didn't really run the ball, but with that said, Carlos Hyde had more carries than James Robinson. Like, he had nine carries and two reaction. receptions. I just don't know. I, I I have to imagine like James Robinson will get the bulk moving forward, but it can't. If you have space on your team, don't start him yet. But it can't hurt to have them. And one guy who I think has fought, probably fallen off a lot over this past week. Ramondre Stevenson. A lot of people had a lot of hype in him. Once you fumble for Bill Belichick, it's all over. (laughs) That's exactly what I was going to say. I'm serious. No, but it then raises the value in a guy like James White. Uh, I I, I was actually going to say something about James White because he's back, I think, to fantasy relevance. He's the kind of guy who, in our half PPR league, and especially a full PPR league, you can start him and feel pretty confident that he, he... he always has one of the highest floors. Yeah. He, it, he's a pass catching back, which in any, like, especially half PPR did you, or. Did you say the pass catcher? Uh, he's the pass catcher back. And uh, he, but for real, he had four carries, which is nothing great, but six receptions for 49 yards is something you love uh, in a half PPR, PPR league. So we play half PPR, so he only got 9.1. But in a regular PPR league, he got about, I think, 12 points. And that's just, in my opinion, for a guy I mean, who like, you, you just look at the waiver wire right now, KP, sorry to interrupt you, and there's only three receivers that had six or more catches. Like, James White's a legitimate fantasy option. Yeah, no disagreement there. Uh, talking about receivers who did well this past week, Sterling Shepard, are you in or are you out? I'm neutral because I actually do kind of think like he like with Galladay still being a little hobbled and just like I, I actually I've always kind of liked Sterling Shepard, but it's hard for me to trust anybody in the Giants offense, let alone Sterling Shepard. Um, I think, you know, he had 100 yards and a touchdown. So if I couldn't blame anybody for picking him up to see if he can get that similar kind of volume, because he also had nine targets, which is a really, really solid number for a wide receiver on the waiver wire. So I. Uh, uh, I know this is a little bit annoying, but I'm like one foot in, one foot out. Because I, I like Shepard, but I just don't trust Daniel Jones. You literally took the words out of my mouth. I was about to say half of me is for him because I think he has the talent to be a good fantasy wide receiver. But if I can't trust his quarterback, then what's the point? It's kind of like yeah, it's kind of like T.Y. Hilton, not this year, but a couple years ago, where it was just like I don't know. For me and T.Y. Hilton, it was always just the injuries. Like, I always liked Andrew Luck. But I guess it's the question of would Andrew Luck also get hurt? I don't know. T.Y. Hilton was always a sketchy fantasy option at best. Yeah. Is there any other players or 
we barely talked about I think we should wrap up a bit by talking about your matchup this week. Who do you play? Oh yeah, I mean I play Jesse. Um he's also own one, but he was the league winner last year. He's got a, a solid core, especially at receiver. He has Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs, as you know all too well. And uh all he has Tyree well. Kill. He has Tyree Kill, and so it's Tyree Kill versus Devontae Adams. It, I, like Devontae Adams was the consensus number one receiver, but if last week's any indication, it's looking like it's gonna be the year of the hill. But I will say in terms of if we want to quickly go through one guy who we like his matchup this week, I would begrudgingly say just because I don't want to jinx it and like I, I need him to bounce back is Devontae Adams against Detroit. Like I, I have to imagine you and I Packers, ha- need a good week from the Green Bay duo. Yeah, I mean, I have to hope and you know, assume even I'm gonna I'm going into you know Monday night with the expectation of the Packers that this was a kick in the gut for them and not like a knockout punch. Like this is something that's going to get them energized, not something that's going to ruin their season. And I think that the biggest beneficiaries of that would be the three headed monster of Rogers, Aaron Jones, who we didn't talk about who underperformed and Devontae Adams. And so I'm looking forward to that. And then quickly in terms of one matchup that I'm worried about um, is, is probably Jonathan Taylor against the Rams. I, I I'm hoping that Jonathan Taylor will just get a volume that he'll still get in the double digits and maybe even find the end zone. But there's a world just in which the Rams have an amazing run defense. I mean, talking about your guy, David Montgomery, who we didn't talk about, I, I'm in on David Montgomery. They, the Rams didn't allow a 100-yard rusher last year, and David Montgomery comes in, and boom, he rushes for 100 yards against a really excellent Rams defense. Granted, the way that they were playing, and, and Chris and Al on the Sunday Night Broadcast you know, were mentioning a lot, was like six-man boxes, like daring them to run, and that's fine. But you know what? Like At the same time, that defense line's great. There was a play, I think, on his touchdown run, uh, he made Aaron Donald miss in the hole. I mean, I'm he, in on the he made three guy. He made three guys miss slash fail to tackle him at the goal line. Uh, and for me, the most encouraging sign was I mentioned to you, and I've mentioned it. Uh, I don't think I mentioned it on the podcast, but I mentioned you plenty of times over the summer. The reason that I like Dave Montgomery so much was the um bears commitment to trying to get him 20 carries a game he's had 16 carries this week um and like you said against a better rush defense even if they were only putting the had six guys uh, six guys in the box in a game where the bears can get up he had 16 carries in a game they lost and were losing for basically the entire game so for me imagining a game where they might be up like the Bengals this week i could see upwards of you sure they're gonna be up against the Bengals this week I wouldn't pick it for our survivor pool, but I, I like them against the Bengals this week. And I think maybe that's a n- nice non sequitur into uh, our survivor pool. The fact, just mentioning the fact you and I both survived this week, uh, myself with the Panthers. I I didn't get, get easy. It was what, 1914 Panthers. And were you at all nervous during that Jared Goff comeback this Sunday? Not overly. Um, I was more worried about my teasers that had a four hours minus two and a half in them, because even if they scored, they would have had to get yet another two point conversion. And it's just like, it was also kind of exciting. Like I would have hated to lose on that obviously, but it was kind of hard not to root for that comeback. Mm -hmm. But no, at the end of the day, I've seen stuff like that before and it doesn't usually end up working out. I will say you were talking about how your matchup's so close in terms of projections. Yoni and, and Dylan are projected 0.1 point apart. I just thought that was interesting. It's and it's you, you want to hear something else kind of interesting, Aaron? 
Dylan, who refuses to address his QB situation, is now sitting in a world where his running back is projected at 19.1 and his quarterback in our league where it's easy for quarterback to score is projected 19.8. Who's his quarterback? Burrow? Joe Burrow. Wait. And is it CMC who's projected 19.1? Yeah, of course. Of course. That's like they're, they're, crazy. I didn't see that. There could realistically be a week this year where his running back's projected more than his quarterback. That's that's actually in our league. Insane. It's just not easy to do, but yeah, we'll see if the strategy pays off for him. I mean, he's won the league before. For those who Drew Brees, if we didn't mention, uh, passing touchdowns are always are worth six as well as rushing and receiving. Hence, the reason why it's easier for our quarterbacks to score. Uh, just yeah. low background. Um, but other than that, Sammy, I think we're good to wrap up. Unless you've got any closing thoughts. I think I'm good to go. Well then, uh, this has been a very fantasy-based podcast, and keep an ear out for our episode on Friday where we're going to talk a lot more about some week one reactions and week two predictions. Uh, and maybe, out, a, maybe a little bit of a special segment, right? A little special segment, but we won't, we won't talk too much about that. We want to keep it a surprise. On top of that, uh, go check out our Twitter at Keep a League. We posted this week's uh power rankings sammy i i just got throughout there we had uh, a very poor reception to the power rankings as people thought they were biased i just first of all i just want to make it clear that yoni's power rankings yoni's the commissioner uh he sent out power rankings that were his opinion that's one thing i tweeted out power rankings from a website and people got mad at the rankings and so like Take it up with fantasy pros. What is the, what is exactly they want from me? They were upset that Matthew and I, well, really me, like whatever, because Matthew scored a lot. That I was project that I was still number one in the power rankings, even though they're comparing it to you know um, NFL. If I had to compare it, this, I would compare it to like the NBA, where anybody can win one game really easily. Like if the Lakers lose the first game of the year, they're still going to be high in the pack. Like it's just let's. You know, to quote, you know, my quarterback, well, not my quarterback, your quarterback, as a matter of fact, R-E-L-A-X. Like, let's let's give my team a chance to warm up. I mean, Jesse was hating on my team specifically, and so now I have a chance to play him this week, and we'll see how that goes. And hopefully uh, hopefully, I at least score more than 103. Uh, I Last hope year, for- Jesse and I had quite, quite a game, and so we'll see. I think Jesse and I had the game of last year, to be fair. Mm, Jesse and I had a pretty exciting game. He won uh, like 87 to 85, and he didn't start a tight end. Good times. You know, Sammy, one thing, uh, side note from our wrap-up, I think for the upcoming week, just to make sure my team does well, I might have to switch my team name from Aaron's Chicken Nuggets to Team Lasix. That could be smart because you won last week, so you should change it up. That's usually how it goes. When things are going well is when you need to change everything. I mean, you say it as a joke, but you kind of – But I trade away Russell Wilson, yeah. (laughs) yeah. So, no, exactly. Uh, it, yeah. It's my motto. Uh, things it's, going it's re, swell. It's rebuilding time for Aaron. No, no, things going swell. Throw it down the well. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> nice. Sammy, you got any last thoughts for us? Nah. Well, then, thank you, everybody, so much for listening. This has been the Pass Catcher. <laughs>